Everybody tells you that the secret to digital success is creating more and more and more content. What if I told you that in digital marketing, sometimes less is more. Maybe you already have all the content that you need for success. Piqued your interest? This is something that no one ever taught me, no one ever podcasted about or blogged about. It's something that I've learned over 13 years of blogging, well, 12 and a half years, that I'm going to share with you today. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast with Neil Schaefer, where I help marketers, entrepreneurs, and business owners grow their businesses using innovative marketing techniques, leveraging the concept of digital influence throughout digital and social media. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 187 of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Well, we have had quite a few episodes talking about content. Content is not all that I do for a living, and it's certainly not everything there is in digital and social media marketing and in creating influence. But if you think about it, you know, every influencer is a content creator. Not every content creator becomes an influencer, but content is sort of the currency of digital and social media. It is something that binds everything together. It is a, I don't want to call it a necessary evil, but it's something that you need to engage in without a doubt if you want to be successful. And therefore, it is something that I will tend to talk more about. It just so happens this is going to be the third episode in a row talking about content and content marketing. Today, really, I'm focusing more on the blog aspect of content. And as I mentioned in the teaser, this is just something that I think a lot of people don't talk about. But now that we're into the second decade of social media marketing, in fact, one of the books that really opened my eyes to the potential for blogging and inbound marketing was the book Inbound Marketing. Dude, that thing came out like more than a decade ago. So we've been around a while and maybe like me, you've been blogging for a while. Now, This is something that I covered in an earlier episode, and give me a second here as I go back into my vaults. That was actually episode number 137, how to optimize your blog posts for higher search rankings and stay ahead of the competition. So that's been about a year and a half ago, and I think it's really important that we take another look at this. I also sort of talked about this in episode number 129, How Fresh Is Your Content? A Fresh Look at Content Marketing. So if you are relatively new to the podcast, I know that there's some podcasts you go back into their vaults and it's like it has no value or or whatever, but I really stand by a lot of my old episodes. <laughs> there's some on Google Plus you want to skip by. I really hope you have a chance to subscribe and really download all of those old episodes and find those few episodes you know, from last year or the year before or even before that, that might resonate with you and might provide you value. So last episode, we had an interview with Maria McInnes and we talked about content marketing as a business strategy. The episode before that, 185, I talked about content longevity. And in that episode, I sort of juxtaposed the longevity of content in social media and then the other 
forms of creating or the, the main content mediums of podcast, YouTube, and Google. So this episode does not apply to a podcast where just like I'm talking about episode number 129 or 120, when you subscribe to a podcast, I don't know if you do what I do. I try to listen from the very first episode that I can hear and then work my way backwards or work my way from the past to the present. A funny thing is I'm currently listening to Smart uh, Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn and I'm like an episode, you know, I'm listening to episodes from 2015, but they still bring me value. And if I think that something's irrelevant, I'll fast forward. But you can see how when you create 200 episodes and you get new listeners, some of them may actually do what I do, which is consume all of that old content. And that's going to be great for developing the relationship with the listener. And guess what? Apple and Spotify and Google, they all look at this as saying, oh, you know, average downloads per listener. This podcast gets a lot of downloads, right? It's going to be a good thing for your rankings within the podcast apps as well. So podcasts live forever, whether you like it or not. Now, YouTube also becomes indexed, but YouTube, there is still, I believe, a supply demand issue. I still do searches for things. And when I look at the top 10 search results, there, I mean, it depends on your subject matter, obviously, but there's still a lot of room for a lot of innovation and creating new fresh videos that can get ranked in YouTube. So we're talking about not just the content medium and the way the algorithms work, but the supply demand. Definitely the supply demand works in the favor of podcasters. I read today that we finally surpassed 1.6 million podcasts. That's not that many. And there's tens of millions of YouTube channels. But guess what? There's hundreds of millions of blogs. And while every company, here's the thing, right? If you are an individual influencer, it's one thing. But if you're a corporate company listening to this, a corporate marketer, every company has a blog. I mean, not every company has a blog, but if you think about it, the average company would have a blog before they'd have a YouTube channel or a podcast channel. So blogs also become indexed in the world of search engines like Google or like Baidu if you're in China Yandex in Russia, and we can go on and on. Well, Bing, obviously, but Yahoo, but they get indexed. But here's the thing is there is way too much competition. And this is what I alluded to in episode 184 on longevity of content, where to sort of invest your content marketing budget going forward. You need to have a budget for a blog, right? It's something you need to do. And here's the thing, it's either search social or email in a digital first world. So you you need to have that blog content for search. I'm not saying you're gonna throw away your blog, but I want you to put it in perspective and work on it and invest in it a little bit differently and a little bit intelligently because now we're beyond the, well, you need to have a blog, you need to create content, the more content, the better. We're now to the phase where some of you may already have dozens of blog posts Or in my case, when I talked about that earlier episode of, what was that, 130, where I had literally 1,600 blog posts. I'm sorry, that wasn't episode 130. That was episode number 137. So when you, you know, you, you may already have 100, you may already have dozens of blog posts. But here's the thing, and this is what I realized, that I, I guess we can do this in a few different ways. The first area that I thought about was, you know, my website has a lot of content and a lot of that content delivers no traffic. 
And a lot of that content is outdated, like all the posts about Google Plus or StumbleUpon or, you know, social networks that don't exist anymore. But I was also doing these blog posts, like best social media books of, you know, 2015 or best social media conferences of 2017. And every year I was publishing a new blog post. And what immediately this meant, think about it, right? All of the backlinks from the previous posts mean nothing because now I'm trying to emphasize the new post. So this is something called, I guess you could call keyword cannibalization. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But with every year, I was competing against myself against everyone else. And guess what the smart bloggers are doing? Guess what the smart companies are doing? And I found this out when there was a guest blog post of mine on another website that all of a sudden it started coming up uh, on social media again. And I'm like, huh, why are they all of a sudden sharing this content again? And then I go to the blog post and the publishing date was actually now instead of the year or two years earlier when I had submitted the guest blog post. So that got me thinking. But what's happening when you compete in Google against these really, really savvy SEO-driven companies and bloggers is basically they're creating a best social media books blog post. They're titling it for 2013, for 2020, for 2023. And basically at the end of the year, they are refreshing it and republishing it with a new publishing date. And therefore, all the backlinks to all the previous instances of that blog post remain active because it's the same URL. And by the way, if you refresh this every year, now maybe with social media conferences, social media books, it's the same thing. Every year there's new stuff to add. So you're thinking, man, how do I compete with like the top 77 tips for developing better software or, you know, 33 tips to sell real estate today. The only way to compete with that is to make something better or bigger, which is not going to be easy, or over time to chip away at it by every year adding more and more content so that someday you're going to have 53 tips or 153 tips. And I believe this is how a lot of blog posts in very, very competitive keywords are able to retain top rankings. Number one, they're always revising it. And number two, they're realizing they don't need to create new content for it. They are revising old content and republishing it as new content. And yes, that was me banging my hand on my desk here for, for emphasis. So I'm sort of jumping ahead in terms of what I'm talking about. I'm getting to the summary before I go into the details. But I was just thinking this the other day. Uh, I was on a conference call and... You know, I, I'm always looking for inspiration from my clients and from my own work and from my own brand. And what what am I going to talk about the next podcast? And I'll be completely honest with you. I don't, you know, there, there's sometimes I have these ideas. I write them on a piece of paper. These are the things I want to cover in future podcasts. This week, it really came to me just, you know, two or three days ago. So I sat down, I outlined it, and I realized that some companies just already have way too much content. And And this is what I want to talk about in this episode. So when you have too much content, and I'm going to talk about defining how much is enough, right? And once again, I'm talking about blog content, not podcast, not YouTube. So here's the thing. When you have too much content, take it for someone that went from 1,600 blog posts to 400 blog posts, and I'm actually seeing both higher traffic and higher search engine rankings as a result. This I need to write a, a blog post about this with some data to support this. But here's the thing. The more content you have, right, 
that means the more old content you have, and that means when you want to revise something, let's say there's a new feature that comes out or you know a, a new facet to a problem that your product or service solves that you want to include in your blog post. That's more blog posts that you need to go in and revise, right? That's sort of, you know, one easy way. If you rebrand your company name, you rebrand your product name. The more content you have, the more inventory you have, the more you got to go through. This becomes a logistical nightmare. The other one is, and this is going back to another recent episode where I talked about the power of backlinks and sort of talking about backlinks in the eyes of influencer marketing for SEO. This is episode number 183. So backlinks are what I believe really empower your SEO. And if you want to get backlinks, there's many ways to do it. Often it's through guest blogging. Well, guess what? Do you want to generate backlinks for 1,000 different blog posts or for those strategic 10 or 20 blog posts? So the more old content you have, the more you feel compelled to generate backlinks for in order to get those that content to appear higher in search engine rankings and therefore the more work, right? It once again becomes a logistical nightmare. And speaking of logistical nightmare, <laughs> nightmare it also means the more 404, 404 errors to manage. What is a 404 error? Well, guess what? This is what I realized, and I I talked about it in that earlier episode number 137, that you have blog posts from a few years ago, and you're linking to authoritative content. It's good for SEO. It's good for the reader. It adds value, and it supports what you're talking about. Often, these are stats or data, reports, what have you. And then guess what? Those sites, and there have been some extremely reputable reputable sites, you know, news sites, whatever, They've already deleted that content. They're already doing what I talk about, right? They're they're analyzing, they're realizing that old news is not news today and they don't want their site cluttered down with that. So they're deleting it. And what happens is if you use a plugin for WordPress, if you have a WordPress run blog, there are loads of checkers that look for 404 errors. If you use an SEO tool like I do with SEMrush, it is going to provide you with those errors as well. I see that Ahrefs, uh, A-H-R-E-F, which is another great SEO tool, offers a free audit tool, at least I was able to get access to it, which also provides 404 errors. There's also other tools like Alexa from Amazon Web Services is another SEO tool that will provide you a list of 404 errors. This happens really common and it's something you want to clean up because if you have too many links on your website that lead to 404 errors, it's a red flag to Google that you're not maintaining your site, right? And you're misleading readers, bringing them to dead ends. So the more old content you have, guess what? The more 404 errors you're going to have to manage. And let me tell you, there were thousands of 404 errors when I was at that 1,600 blog post point. It also means more internal linking to manage. Part of the SEO is not just external backlinks and external linking, but also internally linking to strategic products and posts on your page. Well, The more old posts you have, the more of that internal linking that you need to do to ensure that every post has at least a few internal links uh, for SEO best practices. I talked about keyword cannibalization, where one piece of content, the way that we, we talk about SEO and search intent, right? And when someone does a keyword search, what are they looking for? It isn't always the exact keywords in in that keyword search. Google realizes this. And over time, they've realized a way through 
you know, semantic analytics, and I'm not a, a linguist and I'm not an SEO expert either, so I'm not going to go into the details there, but do some searches. Like you'll, you'll find when you use SEO tools, they'll recommend keywords based on volume or, you know, Google ads keyword planner. And then if you do searches for some of these, you'll notice that a lot of them basically lead to the same content. In other words, you can create one blog post and you can actually rank for several keywords. So how to become a social media influencer on Instagram could rank for that. It could rank for how to become a social media influencer. It could also rank for how to become an influencer. So one piece of content can rank for three different keywords. So what you don't want to do is to have competing blog posts that compete for the same keywords. Now, my website is a little special because I have a lot of guest bloggers. When five different bloggers create posts around content marketing trends for 2021, that's five different posts that are competing for the same keyword. And if I had one that all of my internal link led to for content marketing trends, that if a reader was looking for content marketing trends, they would find that one post, obviously it's going to build bigger and bigger authority. So that's a great case where, you know, one post is way more powerful than five posts. This may not be that impactful. If you have an IT background, you may be able to say, Neil, that's not necessarily the case. But I feel, and based on the experience of trying to move my website on WordPress at 1,600 blog posts to different web host services, that a larger database could and will slow down your website. This is my experience. There were there were some web host servers that my when I moved over, they were like, we, we don't have the resources to support this. Because the more content you have, the larger the database, the more resources in terms of memory, storage that the web host server requires. And we know that speed is part of this user experience that Google values. They want, they want people to be able to access content immediately. And you don't want to have, you don't want to be the slow kid on the block, so to speak. It also means when you have a lot of content that potentially non-strategic content dilutes your strategic content, right? If you just have too much and, you know, we, we talked about the keyword cannibalization, but you want to be able to prioritize and strategize certain content to appear, whether it's backlinks, whether it is RSS feed, just, you know, the more you have, the less strategic each piece becomes. Now, I'm not saying that you only need three blog posts to be successful here. You need to get to a certain scale. But once you get to that certain scale, you may not necessarily need to continue creating as much new content as you think. So I'll keep going here. Just two more things before I, I get to my recommendations. Obviously, the more content you have, and if you don't sort of maintain it right, the easier it's going to be to become out of date quicker, especially if you use years or you mention reports with years in your blog post, you know, in 2015, it was cool to talk about a recent report from, you know, the 2015 state of marketers report, but in 2020 or in 2021, if someone, you know, for some reason was able to get to that post through a Google search result, immediately they're going to turn out, tune out of that post, right? They're going to say, this is, this is old content. It's very natural. Even though that content may still be as relevant today as it was then, that's just human nature. So you need to keep maintaining and, and revising those. And just the more old content you have, the harder that becomes. It also means, and this is getting back to the heart of what I talked about in episode 137, I want all of my content to rank in Google at some point. So, you know, I don't care whether it's my content or a guest blogger's content. If I, with, with my social media marketing machine that I have, 
and with the authority I already have in Google's eyes and with backlinks that naturally get generated or through exposure other people link to, if after the course of a year, right, in any given month, that blog post is just not generating traffic, to me, that is a signal that it might be time to let go. There might have been a more recent post on the same subject that I should be forwarding that to, right? Doing a 301 redirect. It might be something that is just not interesting to my community on social media, to people that come to my website, or maybe Google tried to deliver it, but it just didn't get any traction. You know, really good content, if it gets those backlinks, should appear high in the search engine rankings. Therefore, you should get some traffic, right? But maybe, and this is something I talk about once again in episode 137, maybe the keywords, maybe I wasn't targeting keywords when it was early days for me in SVO or maybe for yourself, and maybe those keywords, the volume just isn't there. There just aren't enough people searching for it. In which case, I have more and more underperforming content. And then in Google's eyes, it's like, huh, 1,600 blog posts, but we only can serve results to like 100 of them rather than, huh, 200 blog posts and more than half of them are worthy of appearing in search engine rankings. If we were to link to this website, we have a higher chance that the content's going to be good. Now, I've never heard an SEO expert say this. I have never gotten this advice either. This is this is the conclusion I've come to, that I want whenever Google indexes my content, I want them to be assured that it's going to stay evergreen. If it's not, it's going to be revised or it's going to be forwarded. But every single piece of content is index worthy and it is link worthy and what have you. So the more content you have, the greater chance you have of underperforming content. And I want to rid my website of underperforming content. Give your content a chance to survive, but after a certain number of time, after a certain number, you know, minimum views per month or per quarter or per year, minimum average time on site, whatever you want to do, but I highly recommend that you you use that procedure as well to have a regular audit of your content. I currently audit my content on a monthly basis. At first, it's a lot of work, but as you get going, I think every month, you're going to probably and hopefully add new content revise old content, and yes, you might be deleting some old content as well. And I think that that's just the way it has to be to perform better and better with SEO and your digital marketing. So what do we do then? How much is enough content? How much content should we create for our blog? My recommendation, and there's a few different terms that people use, I like to call it a library of content. A library of content that will help potential customers not only find you, but educate them on their buying journey so that they end up buying from you and you alone. Makes sense. So if you think about it that way, well, how do I attract customers? What are their, you know, what's the content that's going to attract them, that's going to help them on the buyer's journey? Well, this is where you need to do a little bit of research. You need to understand what is your target customer at every stage of the funnel what type of content might they be searching for on Google, do some keyword analysis, and then create the content. So I'll share with you my process. You know, I talked about in Maximize Your Social way back when the concept of content buckets. For every content bucket, you want a library of content. So my my website at 1,600 posts used to have like 40 different categories. I consider a category a content bucket in most cases. So I cut back and I think now about 20 categories, but not all of them are as strategic as, as others. I used to have two or three people that blogged about Chinese social media and with the coronavirus pandemic, it's not a very popular topic right now, as you can imagine. So some become, some are very strategic at times, others at other times aren't as strategic. 
So right now, obviously, I have a book out on influencer marketing called The Age of Influence. And in all honesty, and I, I talk about this in earlier episodes, I didn't really do a lot of blogging about the book before the book. So I'm sort of playing catch up as part of my long-term strategy for the success of the book. I want to make sure that when people do searches on Amazon, they find the book, which I assume they are because it's selling very well and ranking very well. But I also want to make sure that if they're searching Google, right, this is my own digital first marketing strategy, that if they search for content for influencer marketing, they find my site, they like, know, and trust me, and therefore they end up buying the book. And it only happens when I have content that deals with influencer marketing. Just like if you want your company's products or services to show up, you need to show up and you need to show up with content. So my advice for library content is this. Now, for most companies, I recommend blogging once a week. If you can blog once a week, I think that's great. And I realize it requires resources. I've actually been upping my game in the course of a given month, I might be blogging twice a week these days, but it's taken me some time to be able to do that in addition to recording a, a weekly podcast, in addition to weekly email newsletters and what have you. So I know it's not easy, but let's look at it this way. For the, the main keyword or keywords that you want to rank for, so I did this for influencer marketing, look at the keyword volume. Which keywords do you want to strategize on? There are some that might be irrelevant to your industry or to your product. You pass on those. You don't have to worry about those. But at the end of the exercise, if you were to create an Excel spreadsheet or a Word document or a bullet point list on Evernote, whatever it is, or on Slack, of 52 strategic keywords. Now, I recommend you have a minimum monthly volume. I use the United States desktop monthly volume on SEMrush. You can see global volume, what have you, but I use the US desktop. And I still get, by the way, more desktop traffic than mobile traffic. Go figure. But I will look at and create a minimum. Now, at the beginning, when I have nothing, that minimum, and also this obviously depends on your industry. If you serve an industry where there's way more searches for related keywords, then that minimum might be something like 100 monthly visits. For some of you in more niche B2B industries, that might be more like 10. But if you start from the top, Hopefully, by the bottom, you get to the point where the minimum monthly visits ideally is over 100. That's really the minimum place where I like to stop. Now, you might target a keyword of 100, but that blog post ends up ranking for multiple keywords, including keywords that have much more volume than that. That sometimes does happen. But when you target something that only has 10, I think you're really not setting yourself up for success. And when I look at the blog posts that I delete on a regular basis... An overwhelming majority of them just weren't targeting keywords that have high volume. You know, what you want to talk about in social media, what you talk about with a customer when you have a Zoom call with them, and what you blog about are three different things, three different target audiences, three different ways in which people are engaging with you and your content. And you really need to have a blog-specific approach to this based on SEO best practices that begin with that keyword research. So after you have that list of 52 keywords, and if you haven't done this in a while, I, I urge you to do it again because search trends do change over time. Maybe every year you should be reviewing and making sure you're doing the right keywords. I'll give you an example. A year ago, looking at my 52 keywords for influencer marketing, what has changed with today? Well, today, TikTok influencer marketing is right up there. And a year ago, it, it was not nearly as popular as it is today. So that's just an example. With the economy and the way that we work and the way that we shop changing so rapidly, man, if you haven't done a refresh of your keyword strategy since the 
coronavirus pandemic, you really owe it to yourself to do that. So after you have those strategic keywords, I really want you to go into Google, and this is where we talk about search intent. I want you to go in there and do a search for each one of these 52 keywords and look what comes up in the top 10 results. Now, we do this for a few reasons. Number one, are there multiple keywords that basically you're seeing the same results for? And if so, perhaps by writing one great keyword, excuse me, one great blog post on one of those strategic keywords, you might be able to rank for multiple. You get bigger bang for your buck. Now, you could do each one of those. So, you know, I talked about that example of how to become an Instagram influencer, how to become a social media influencer, how to become an influencer. In my experience, looking at search intent, I find two things. Number one, a lot of things that talk about, you know, with the title, how to become an Instagram influencer are being ranked for how to become an influencer. And you could see this in two ways. There's the keyword cannibalization that says, okay, I'll just write a post on how to become an Instagram influencer and I'll rank for how to become an influencer. But there's another one that says, you know what? I think people are looking for something different here. I think people are looking for how to become an influencer, even if they are a a B2B tech blogger right? Or even if they're like a YouTuber. So maybe a post of how to become an influencer that is superior content with the right SEO strategy, I might be able to outperform all these other posts that say how to become an Instagram influencer. You're going to have to make the best decision there. But the net net of this is, right? After looking at these keywords and doing search intent, you may not even need 52 blog posts. You, You may not even need to do this for a year. But that's my recommendation getting started. The other reason we look at the top 10 results, not just in search intent and seeing if we might be able to get bigger bang for our buck by having one blog post serve multiple keywords, but also can we write something better? Open up the top 10 results in separate tabs and do a look at those blog posts. I still see in many industries in the top 10 results is a product page, is a landing page, not really offering value, but perhaps that site had authority Perhaps they generated some strategic backlinks, but from my perspective, if I'm looking for information, that looks like a blatant advertisement and I'm immediately going to tune out, right? So you may find, or you may find that the top 10 results contains really outdated information. Really funny anecdote here. I suddenly, after Facebook recently announced that the uh, that 20% text rule for ads is no longer in place... I noticed this because from my content curation, I saw a few posts come up in my RSS feed and I noticed that all of a sudden I got this big bump in traffic to previous posts I had that ranked about the 20% text rule. Now, when I went into the top 10, I realized that one of my posts had been displaced by another blogger who wrote about the new rule that you no longer need to have 20% text. Well, guess guess which content is going to outperform all the other content going forward? It's that content with the updated information. And my old content, unless I revise it, is going to die or it's going to mislead readers who are going to distrust my site and my information more and more, right? So look at the top 10 results. Can you write something better? And when you have those definitive 52 or 50 or 40, whatever it is, that is targeting all the main keywords for your product or industry. And if you have multiple products, multiple industries, you begin to get like me and for each content bucket, you have 52 and and it might turn out to be 100 or 150 or 200, whatever it is. But once you get to that point, you then need to have a mindset shift. And the traditional mindset shift in digital marketing is create, create, create. I think you need to have a mindset shift that says, 
revise, revise, revise. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Republish, republish, republish. And that, what that means is you're no longer in the hamster wheel of content creation, which I, it, it's sort of a necessary evil. It's a, it, it's a necessary reality when we're trying to create that library of content. Once we do, right, it becomes a different hamster wheel. I, I, I will, you know, I agree to that, but it is a hamster wheel of content revision. And perhaps that hamster wheel of content revision, you only need to do the last three months of the year and revise all your content for the following year if there's not a lot of change in your industry. I mean, if you had advice for 2020 that you published in December of 2019 or January 2020, you want to revise that for 2021 and publish that in, in Q4 or maybe Q1 of next year. But you can do this with less resources, right? So if you want to compete in Google with top 10 results, you want to have better and you want to have fresher content. And this is how you do it. Because with every year, it's a marathon, not a sprint. With every year, with every iteration, and maybe sometimes you find reasons to republish content, revise it without even waiting a year because things have changed. But what happens is every year, ideally, when you revise your content, there's some content you're going to delete. Hopefully, you're adding content to it. So if you began with a 1,000-word blog post, the second year becomes 1,500. I try to aim my bloggers. I tell them to write at least 1,500 words. I personally aim for 2,000 words. Maybe next year, those 2,000-word blog posts become 3,000-word blog posts or 3,500-word blog posts. And I'm not just adding content, but I'm adding relevant and meaningful content that's adding even more value. That, my friends, is how year in and year out, your content gets longer, fresher, better, and you will move up those search engine rankings because all of those backlinks are going to carry forward with this new content. And guess what? Instead of Google looking at you as having half of your content being outdated, being bloated, be, being irrelevant, Google is going to see that you're taking the time to maintain your website on a regular basis and that you're always providing fresh content rather than publishing content that is out of date in a year. We're going to think about that. And I think that this is really going to help your site's authority in Google's eyes because you've taken the extra time to do that. So every company needs to become the media. This is a reality of a digital first society we live in. But it doesn't mean you need to adapt an infrastructure of large media companies because you can't compete with the Yahoo News, with the Wall Street Journal in terms of the way they are able to manage their content. You don't have the resources, you don't have the tools, you don't have the people. We can be scrappy though and get that minimum content up there. And even that minimum content is, I think, a lot of content, don't get me wrong. But once we get it up there, shift to revise mode and only create new content when new trends come around, like TikTok influencer marketing as an example, or work from home or whatever it might be. I believe that that's gonna be a more efficient way it takes way more resources to create rather than revise. So I think it's going to become a really efficient way for you to get off that hamster wheel to create better content, newer content, always revise content. And therefore, I think whenever someone hits upon one of your old posts, it's always new and it always looks and smells new. And I think that is going to give you better authority in Google's eyes, more people coming to your website, spending a longer time on your website, since the content is always new, they're going to create a, hopefully, a, a better relationship with you. And I do think it will add to more business in this digital first society we live in.
with this up-to-date digital marketing. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As you can hear, I'm sort of passionate about this project. It's really funny because I, I tend to be more entrepreneurial and enjoy to always create new things. That's why, you know, hey, I just published a book like eight months ago and I'm already thinking about my next book. And I've been talking about that for a while here. But this is one case where I love to, you know, they, they say you're either an entrepreneur or maybe you love to maintain old things and, and find increased value in them. And, and there's, you know, two different types of CEOs. Well, this is the part of me, the part of my brain that loves the maintenance, that loves the revision and loves that never ending battle and increasing relevance, increasing ranking, increasing traffic, increasing business. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll take the advice to heart. If you disagree with that advice, or if you have different experiences, I'd love to hear from you. I'm only, you know, I'm just one person here. There's no right or wrong in any of this. I'm just sharing with you what I believe has worked based on my own experience in the data and, and from working with clients. But if you have a better way, let me know. Reach out to me. Feel free to leave a comment, what have you. And speaking of comments, I would really appreciate it if you had a chance in this blog, well, not this blog post, but this podcast provided you value, I would really appreciate if you were to spend a minute and just write a really, really quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, listen to this podcast. I know that every podcaster asks this. It's it's not only you know for me because of the way the algorithms work, but it's also the fact that it really provides me the fuel and the passion to continue doing this. It takes time to to always be conceptualizing, to record to maintain, to publish, to promote, as you can imagine. So that would be the, you know, the, the small thing I'd ask. I'd also like to say that uh, the opportunity to become a, a fractional CMO client of mine, if you're looking for some more customized coaching around your complete digital social media marketing, I do offer coaching on a one hour per week, three month minimum contract. So if you have some excess budget at the end of the year, you know, beginning with a few thousand dollars, I think there's amazing things we can do to help you with your digital and social media marketing for 2021 and beyond. I also want to give a shout out to, I know that this podcast in certain countries around the world, I know I have more and more listeners. So I want to thank you. I, I see that we've been climbing the charts in Canada Australia, Sweden, Japan, New Zealand, Saudi Arabia, Argentina. I wish I could speak all the languages and say thank you in all of them, which I can't. But thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I hope next time we'll be ranking in more countries. But hey, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found value. Hope you'll share this with a friend or a business colleague that can really use the help and hopefully inspire them to really think more deeply about how to improve their marketing. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for another episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Wherever you are in the world, make it a great virtual social day. Bye-bye, everybody, and sayonara. Sayonara.